morning, everyone. It's great to see you this morning. Let's go ahead and turn in your Bibles. We'll be in Joshua, Joshua chapter number one this morning. Joshua chapter number one. And as you're turning there, have you ever thought about the changes and the updates you've endured during your lifetime? Now, uh, I was thinking about this the other day as my, my phone gave me a notice, uh, you need to update. And I was like, uh, update my phone again. It seems like uh, that's a reoccurring thing. And, and what is it that it does? I mean, you ever stop to look at it and wonder, what did they update? What did they change? And uh, to the average person looking at something of uh, electronic device or whatever, when it's wanting the updates, uh, we may not see it. Uh, we just see it going through and thinking, hey, I'm going to have the latest and greatest updates. Uh, maybe I'm going to have the best uh, security software, whatever it is. They're, they're updating something to, to protect me, to fix it, or whatever the case. And oftentimes, as you look at it, you may not see anything different. Well, it doesn't look any different. It's not acting any different. Why do I need to update? You know, there's some things in our lives that we go through, and God's going to give us some updates. There's some things we've got to change. There's some things we've got to update in our lives. And oftentimes, we may not think that it's a big deal. We may not see the difference, but yet... There truly is a difference when we have to go through those problems and those situations. And that's what happened here with the nation of Israel. As they were coming out of the wilderness, they were coming out of wandering for 40 years. As we come to the book of Joshua, we see that they are being led into the promised land. And again, as you stop and think, what's the big deal? What's the difference? Well, there's a lot that goes through. There's a lot of changes that had to be made as they were going in to what is known as the promised land. Well, let's look here in Joshua chapter number one. We'll begin reading in verse number one. <clears throat> Joshua chapter one, verse number one. Now, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise and go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give to thee, even to the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of thy foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, even unto the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and unto the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your coast. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. And as I was with Moses... So I shall be with thee, I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Be strong and of a good courage, for unto this people shall I divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. We find in these first six verses, three changes the Israelites were going through, and then we'll end up with a promise given by the Lord as well. So let's have a word of prayer, and then we'll get into the message of this morning. Lord, we do love you. We thank you for all that you've done. Thank you for uh, this example that we find here of, of the changes, Lord, that you brought your people through. And again, understanding that we have changes as well in our lives. Help us to focus on you. Help us to direct our thoughts toward you to allow those changes to be made in our life. Lord, we love you again. We thank you for all that you've done today. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Again, at the end of the book of Deuteronomy, you'll read that Moses, uh, which was Israel's leader for the previous 40 years, as they wandered, died in the land of Moab. 
You may remember that uh, God did not allow him to enter into the promised land because of his disobedience that was made in front of the entire nation. And after Israel mourned the death of Moses, we would think for some there would be no difference in their life. It would be the same old story, just a different day. We're going to pack up our things. We're going to walk a few days. We're going to stop and we're going to rest. We get the call. We're going to pack up our things. We're going to walk a few days. Then we're going to stop and rest. Kind of the same old, same old, same old story again and again and again. When in reality, things were not going to be the same. Things were going to change. They were going to uh, move on into what God had promised them. They were able to cross over the Jordan and go into the promised land. But notice, first of all, we see a change in leadership. A change in leadership. Again, verse number one says, Now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister. So Moses had died, and now they're bringing Joshua into being in charge of the nation of Israel. Joshua, again, was Moses' military leader. You go back and study in Exodus chapter 17, you'll find that he was the one that was in place in charge of their, their army, the ones that were going to go out and fight and do those different things. He was also the minister of Moses, as we just read there in verse number 1. So he knew what was going on. He understood the battles that Moses endured. And yet now he was the one that was going to be placed in charge. Numbers chapter 27 verses 18 and 19 says this. And the Lord said unto Moses, Take thee Joshua the son of Nun, a man in whom is the Spirit, and lay thine hand upon him and set him before Eleazar the priest and before all the congregation and give him charge in their sight. He says, hey, bring him in front of the people. Bring the priest out. Bless him and give him charge in front of everyone. So everyone will know that Joshua was now being placed in a position of authority. Throughout the latter part of Deuteronomy, Moses continues to encourage Joshua as he was going to be the next leader. So it was something that was repeated over and over again. Having a new leader, having a new boss, if you would, could bring about some great obstacles in people's lives. Learning the new formats, some different ways, as, as Brandon said, he's going to start a new job. So there's going to be some new changes uh, for Brandon starting tomorrow. But again, think about that in our own lives. There's some things that we've got to change. There's some things that we're going to have to do, and it can bring about some confusion. It can bring about some thoughts and ideas that we may not know what to do exactly. This is why I'm thankful, again, as a church, that we have one leader that's been put here. I'm the pastor, and I am the one that is accountable to God for what happens inside this building. I am the one that's going to stand before God and give an account. But even within that, we have some great leaders that run different ministries within our church. And I'm grateful for those that do that. You know, it takes a lot of work to be able to come up with a, a lesson to present it to a variety of different age groups and different spiritual levels. As we've got people in the back in children's church that are teaching in a couple different classes. I'm thankful for them. I'm thankful for the ones that teach our Sunday school. Again, it's the same mentality as taking a lesson, being able to put it on their level to where they can get something from it and understand it. We have the same thing on Wednesday night. We've got a variety of things that we do within our church that, again, are, are great because of those that are put in charge of it and those that are doing it. Ephesians chapter 4, Paul encouraged the workers of the church, again, to treat their ministry just like a job, as I said in Sunday school this morning. But Ephesians chapter 4, verse number 1 says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith 
ye are called. That's your memory verse this week. Again, that we are to treat our faith just like we do our job. How many people were faithful for their job? We probably would all raise our hands and say, yeah, I'm there every morning. I make sure I'm on time. I'm doing my job. I want to be accountable and so on and so forth. Well, do we do the same thing with our faith? Do we do the same thing with what we understand and believe from the Word of God? Do we treat it as a vocation as Paul encouraged the church at Ephesus to do? Uh, again, it's something important that we are to, to take our ministry, to take the things we do for the church, whatever it may be, and treat it just like we do our job. I'm going to make sure I'm there. I'm going to make sure I'm doing it. I'm, I'm going to make sure that I'm going to be a faithful member. I'm going to make sure that I give my tithes and my offerings. I'm going to make sure I pray. I'm going to make sure I read my Bible. On and on, there's a variety of things we can put into that. Are we faithful doing what God has called us to do? And I'm certainly thankful that those that are in charge of those ministries treat it like a job. You know, we can go back and look and, and talk with anybody that works in any ministry of this church. And I'm grateful that they direct everything and everyone to one Lord. To one Lord. Turn over with me if to Ephesians chapter number 4. I know I just read the first verse, but I want to look at a couple other verses there in Ephesians chapter number 4. Oftentimes we look at the book of Joshua as being called the... Ephesians of the Old Testament, if you would. There's a lot of similarities between the two. So look here at Ephesians chapter 4, beginning in verse number 4. The Bible says, There is one body and one spirit, even as ye are called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. Again, it's a very important statement there to understanding that is the indwelling of the Holy Spirit inside of each and every one of us who are saved. But each position of leadership in our church should be focused on the one thing, and that is the one Lord. We teach about it because He is our one Lord. We fellowship and visit because of our one Lord. We sing oftentimes the songs as you sang this morning about our one Lord. Again, our faith, our belief, our baptism in our church are all based on one thing, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. Asaph, again, the writer of Psalms, chapter 83, said in verse number 18, that men may know that thou, whose name alone is Jehovah, art the most high over all the earth. Again, the psalmist is wanting to make sure that, look, uh, the, 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 the very best thing, the highest thing that we can look at in praise is Jehovah, God. There's no one higher. There's no one greater. David even wrote about it in Psalms, chapter 86, verse number 10, for thou art great and dost wondrous things. Thou art God alone. It's not you and God. It's not me and God. It's all God. And he is the one that we are to worship. He is the one that we are to exalt. Many throughout history have worshipped a variety of different beings in different ways and different things. But again, we've got to understand that there is one that is great and wondrous. There's one that we are to worship and it can only be God. The nation of Israel had a change of leadership. And they also, as we find number two this morning, is a change of land. A change of land. Look at verse number two again with me, if you would. Back in the book of Joshua, chapter number one. Verse number two. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give to them, even the children of Israel. The entire nation, as we know, had been wondering for 40 years. Only once had they been in this area before. 
And there was only two people left that had been there during that time frame. And one was their new leader, Joshua. Moses sent the 12 spies, as we recall, into the land some 40 years prior to this event to search it out. And they brought back a report. They said, hey, this is a great land. This is a land flowing with milk and honey. There's, there's so many things here that are great. They brought a cluster of grapes that took two people to carry it between them. There was an abundance of figs and pomegranates. There were great and mighty things that were there waiting available if they would simply be obedient and follow God. But as we know, they didn't. But now that God has brought them back, it was a time to go back in to claim the land that was promised to their fathers. But notice God gives Joshua some instructions. These instructions can be applied to where we are at today as well. For us to get what God has for us, we must first arise. As verse number two says, therefore arise. We have to make an effort to get up and to move forward for God. I believe there's so many blessings that we miss out on because we get stuck in our own ways. We get stuck in our own rut. We give excuse after excuse why we don't do this or why we can't get that. We stop we, we start blaming other people. We, we start pointing the fingers at others when we don't draw near to God as we are been commanded to do. God didn't tell jo Joshua here, hey, you just sit tight. I'm going to bring you everything you need. That's not what God said at all. He said, now, therefore, arise. Hey, Joshua, get up. All the people, get up. It's time to move forward. It's time to go on. It's time to claim what I've already established. All throughout Scripture, you'll find the same idea. It's our job to get up and go. It's our job to get up and move closer to Him. Not to sit back and just say, hey, I'm going to get it. But too many times, that's our mentality as believers as we think, well, God is just going to sit back and bless me, and I'm going to sit back and take it. That's not it at all. He says, therefore, arise. Hey, get up and start moving forward. Start doing something. Salvation requires us to what? trust and believe. We've got to call upon the name of the Lord. That's what we have to do. He said, look, I've provided it. I've got something here. You've just got to come and collect it. He's waiting for us. But yet many people say, well, that's not it. That's, not, that's what the Bible teaches. And that's what we need to understand. We've got to move forward to that. Think about our sanctification. According to James chapter 4 and verse number 8, it says, draw nigh unto God and he will draw nigh to you. What is that? That's telling us we've got to take the first step you want to be sanctified, if you want to be closer to the Lord, we've got to take the first step, and He's going to meet us there. He's going to help us. We can also look at our separation from the wrong influences. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13 says, There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above, that you're able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape, that you may be able to bear it. As we're being influenced in the wrong direction, God says, I've made a way to escape, but you've got to step through it. You've got to step to it and making sure you're following me. Again, that is on us. He's provided it. We've just got to learn to follow through. When the wrong temptation comes again, <clears throat> understand that God has made a way for us to go. We must make that effort to arise and go. God finally gives them to go ahead to cross the Jordan River as we see in the latter parts of this book. And in doing that, they must address some different obstacles. Address some different obstacles. Uh, again, when God changes direction in our life, there's going to be some obstacles that you've got to face and overcome. Some have to overcome fears in their lives. They have the fear of failure. 
And there's no doubt that Joshua, could you imagine being in charge of, of all these different people? Uh, again, a, a bunch of complaining uh, people and griping, and that's all they could do. But yet, he was willing to say, yes, I'm going to do it. I'm going to follow. That was an obstacle for Joshua to follow. Again, he had led the army. You know, let me tell you, it's a lot different leading military people than it is uh, coming and leading you civilians. No, I don't want to look at it that way. But uh, <laughs> there's a different mentality, and some of you understand that, who have been in the military, when, when the, the boss says jump, you how high, and you just do it. When it's not the way with other people. And Joshua was that way. Hey, uh, army, this is what we're going to do. We're going to lead in here. I want you to do this, this, and go. And it was just automatic. But now he's coming with getting all the, the nation of Israel out of Egypt, crossing over the Jordan River into the promised land. Hey, everybody, we're going to get up and go. I want you. Hey, can you help me out? And just complaining on and on and on. And I'm not saying we are complaining people, but do we complain to God? We may not complain out loud. We not, may not complain to one another, but we may complain to God. So it's important that we follow what it is. There's going to be some obstacles we've got to overcome. No one wants to fail, especially when they're trying to serve the Lord. So again, there's some fears in our lives that, are, that may be hindering us, that may be keeping us from doing what it is God has called us to do. Another fear is that of instruction. There's a lot of people say, well, well I can't teach, and I can't get in front of people and talk, and, and I can't do this. Uh, somebody came into my office the other day and was asking about one of the, the military plaques I had there, and I told them that I was a, a military instructor for three years. And I said... That's there because I told God, no, that I couldn't speak in front of people. He said, I'll fix that excuse. So he made me an instructor in the military. Again, I, I wanted to serve God, but yet I had my limitations. Yes, God, I'll do this and I'll do that, but I won't do this. I won't go there. And God says, oh, yeah? If you want to follow me, if you truly want to be what I want you to be, then this is what you're going to do. And until I was able to surrender to that and say, yes, Lord, I'll do it, then that was a problem. That was an obstacle in my life. But I'm thankful that God directs and guides us and helps us as we come to those obstacles to be able to overcome them. God told Joshua again to get up and go over the Jordan River. And at that time, it was only for the spies back then, but now it was available for everyone. This is a picture of salvation. The promise of heaven. We must come to the Lord for what he has provided. He has made a way for us to escape the very pit of hell through his death, burial, and resurrection. It's a free gift for anyone who would simply ask. But just like the nation of Israel, there are some obstacles that will get in our way. Everything from people to pride. That will hinder us from accepting that free gift of salvation. God tells Joshua that the promised land is for everyone, a picture of heaven. It's available to all people, not just a, few, a chosen few, not just for this denomination or that group of people, but for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, the Bible says. It's there for anybody that wants it. And that's the land I look forward to. That's the country that I long to be in. There was a change in leadership. There was a change in land. But next, we also see that there was a change in lifestyle. A change in lifestyle as we look at verses 5 and 6 of our text. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, I will be with thee. I will not fail thee nor forsake thee. Be strong and of a good courage. For unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land 
which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Think of all the previous promises that the Lord had given to the, the nation of Israel before they left, and as they left, uh, Egypt. They had left the burdens of being a slave to the Egyptian people, to being a wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. This was the only way of life that they knew. Again, if you go back and study and remember, everyone over the age of 20 had to die before they could go into the promised land. So again, these were fairly young, if you would, that was able to cross over this Jordan River. Now that they were able to go across and receive the promises, they went from ramblers to residents. How different would it have been from going to being a nomad to being able to go somewhere to put down some roots? This could be uh, quite different for many of them. Quite an adjustment, if you would. Stop and think that living in Kansas, we've been here longer than we've been anywhere else. So... There's some differences, some changes that we had to make as we were here. A couple years ago, we kind of got that itching feeling of, of, of being uncomfortable because we'd been here more than three or five years. Uh, so it was kind of, all right, are we packing up and moving? What's going on? It was, it was just kind of our instant uh, ideas and thoughts that we were used to in the military. Every so many years, you pack up and you go. But, but we're not going anywhere. We were sitting here. We're like, okay, this is where he wants us to be. Then we're going to stay. And to continue to stay. And Lord, help us as we go through this. But uh, again, looking back on our life, there's a, uh, there's a lot more things we've accumulated over the past few years uh, than in previous times because of the move. Um, and uh, I've noticed that there are certain things that we were able to get rid of. You know, you ever keep boxes of things? And we've got empty boxes around our house. You know, we've got little fragile touch-me-nots. <laughs> That belonged in a box, so we'd keep those boxes when it was time to move, put them back in the styrofoam, put them away so they wouldn't get broke. And we can get rid of those now. We don't have to hang on to those things because, again, God has brought us here to stay until he moves us. We're not here to, get, to, to pack up every so many years and go on. But I think about the responsibilities as we moved on. Everyone in our family had a responsibility. Everyone had a job to do when it was time to move. And everyone did it to make sure everything was done. Can you imagine the Israelites? Everyone, I'm sure, had a job to do. Everyone had the responsibilities to make sure when the command to, to pack up and go came, they were able to pick up and move. But now they were able to build something a little bit more sturdy, a little bit more stable, a, a permanent structure, if you would. They were able to create an area maybe for their animals and for their home life and to plant some crops they were able to go out and find the best fishing holes, if you were. Uh, they were able to find out which flowers would plant and, and would grow in this area. These were all the things that they could not enjoy as they were wandering the 40 years in the wilderness. This is now their residence. There was no longer a need to send out those forwarding addresses because this was their permanent place of residence. I'm reminded of the song, This world is not my home just passing through. Stop and think about where we are at right now. This is not our eternal home. This is not where I'm going to spend eternity. This is not heaven. But I look forward to the day when I will be there. As Paul said in Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 19, Now therefore you are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints of the household of God. I'm thankful that I'm a citizen of of heaven. I'm thankful that I get to look forward to the day that I will be in heaven with my Lord. If you're saved this morning, 
then you are just passing through as well. We are looking for the city whose builder and maker is God. We long for that day. But the Israelites' lifestyle changed from rambler to resident, and it also went from manna to milk and honey. Remember, God had provided manna and quail for the entire nation of Israel for the 40 years they wandered in the wilderness. But now they were heading to a land that was flowing with milk and honey. What does that exactly mean? Why is it that's referenced so many times in the Word of God? If you were to look back from Exodus chapter 3 all the way to Ezekiel chapter 20, this is what it referenced, a land flowing with milk and honey. A land flowing with milk and honey. Well, what is that all about? What does it mean to be a land flowing with milk and honey? We know that milk often ties to fertility. The green pastures where the livestock would thrive. So milk could point to the abundance of the land, which we already understood and seen from when their spies went in. Honey tends to represent the delight, the joy, the sweetness, and pleasure. This combined with the implied that Israel would no longer experience the, the time of bitterness and barrenness that they had to wander through, that they were now going into the promised land. As they came across this Jordan River, there were houses already built for them. There were vineyards already planted. There were crops that were already growing for them to take over. They could enjoy what God had given them, but they also had to learn how to do it themselves. After our salvation, God desires that we continue to grow. That, that we are to understand and know more about our sanctification. That our growth in God would continue. We must learn to follow God's leading, eliminate those things which can hinder our walk and gravitate to those things which will strengthen our faith. This is a lifestyle change for many of us. This is what we need to make sure we're doing is to change those things that are hindering us from following the Lord. As we continue to read through Joshua chapter number one, we find that God didn't just lead them and leave them. We see finally the courage given by the Lord. The courage given by the Lord is found in verses 6, 7, and 9. So let's look there again, if you would. Verse 6 says, Be strong and of a good courage. For unto this people shall thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Only be thou strong and very courageous, that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. Look at verse number 9. Have I not commanded thee, be strong and of a good courage? Be not afraid, neither be, be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee whithersoever thou goest. We read of the wonderful promise given here to the Jewish nation, and it's still applicable for us today. It's a reminder to continue to be strong. The word strong used in the Hebrew means to fasten a hold of, to seize. Christians today need to learn to, to, to be strong, to fasten a hold to the truth, to grab a hold of it and not let go. Don't let the word of God sway, or excuse me, let, don't let the world sway you into believing something that is different than what we find in Scripture. Because that's exactly what they're trying to do. They don't want you to believe the Bible. They want you to believe what they say. This same verse tells us that we are to be, uh, have some courage. That means to be strong-minded, to be established. Paul said in Philippians chapter 4, verse number 9, those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do. And the God of peace shall be with you. It's not just something where to sit back and say, yeah, I believe it, 
but we are to do it. We are to continue to do what God wants us to do. Have the strength and courage to stand for what the Bible says. Remember the God we serve is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Just because society changes its minds or its definitions doesn't mean God has. All these changes we looked at here this morning here in Joshua chapter number 1 are a picture of what salvation has for those that are willing to accept it. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. We have a new desire for spiritual things. We have a divine nature, one that embodies the Holy Spirit. We have a new destination focusing on our home in heaven for all of eternity. A new direction and purpose of wanting to follow God. A new diet of devouring the Word of God. This brings us to the question, have you experienced these changes in your life? Have you accepted God's gift of salvation? If not, I want to appeal to you this morning to make that change in your life. But I ask that you bow your heads and close your eyes this morning. As we have a time of invitation, again, we should let the Holy Spirit examine our lives to help us follow Him 